Chapter 13. Las Uvas. Grapes. Miguel was the only one who could have taken the money orders. No one doubted that. Alfonso apologized to Esperanza, but Mama graciously said that Miguel must have needed the money to get to Northern California. Alfonso promised the money would be paid back, one way or another, and Esperanza knew it would be, but she was angry with Miguel. How dare he go into her valise and take what was not his? And after all of her hard work, Mama seemed to get a little stronger every day, although she still took many naps. Hortensia was happy that she was eating well, and every day Esperanza brought home just picked fruit to tempt her. A week later, Esperanza stood on the shed dock in the morning and marveled at the peaches, plums, and nectarines that poured into the shed. How will we ever store them all? she asked. Josefina laughed. One piece at a time. It gets done. They started with the small white clingstone peaches and then the larger yellow Albertas. Mama loved the white peaches, so Esperanza set aside a bag for her. Then after lunch, they stored the flaming gold nectarines. Later they stored. Later that afternoon, they would still have to sort a few bushels of plums. Esperanza loved the elephant heart plums, molted green on the outside and blood red on the inside. They were tangy and sweet at the same time. She stood in the midsummer sun during her lunch break and ate one, bent over so the juice wouldn't run down her chin. Josefina called to her. Mira, she said. Look, there's Alfonso. What is he doing here? Alfonso was talking to one of the supervisors. He had never come to the fields in the middle of the day and come to the sheds. Something must be wrong, said Esperanza. Maybe it is the babies, said Josefina, and she hurried toward him. Esperanza could see them talking and slowly began walking toward them, leaving the lines of women in the stacks of lugs and plums. She tried to read from Josefina's expression whether something was wrong, and Josefina turned to look at her. Esperanza felt the blood drain from her face, and she suddenly knew why Alfonso was here. It had to be Mama. The doctor had said she could have a relapse. Something must have happened to her. Esperanza suddenly felt weak, but she kept walking. Is it Mama? No, no, I didn't mean to alarm you, Esperanza, but I need you to come home with me. Hortensia is in the truck. But it is so early. It's okay, I talked to the supervisor. She followed him to the truck. Hortensia was waiting inside. We got a message from Miguel, she said. We are to meet him at the bus station in Bakersfield at three o'clock. He said he is coming from L.A. and that we should bring you. That's all we know. But why would he want me to come? asked Esperanza. I can only hope it is to apologize for his actions, said Hortensia. It was over a hundred degrees. Hot wind whipped inside the cab. Esperanza felt the perspiration sliding down her skin beneath her dress. It felt strange to be riding to town in a, on a work day, breaking her routine in the sheds. She kept thinking of all the elephant hearts that all the others would have to pack shorthanded. Hortensia squeezed her hand. I can't wait to see him, she said. Esperanza offered a tight smile. They arrived at the bus station and sat on a bench in front. The clerks had spoke to one another in English, their hard, sharp words meaning nothing to Esperanza. It always startled her when she heard English, and she hated not knowing what people were saying. Someday she would learn it. She strange to hear each announcement that was made, finally hearing the words she was looking for. Los Angeles. A silver bus turned the corner and pulled into the bay in front of the station. Esperanza searched through the passengers seated at the bus, but couldn't see Miguel. 
She and Hortensia and Alfonso stood up and watched everyone get off. And then finally there was Miguel, standing in the doorway of the bus. He looked tired and rumpled, but when he saw his parents, he jumped from the steps, grabbing his mother and hugging her, then his father, clapping him on the back. He looked at Esperanza and smiled. I have brought you proof that things will get better, he said. She looked at him, trying to be angry. She didn't want him to think she was glad to see him. Did you bring back what you have stolen? No, but I brought you something better. Then he turned to the last passenger from the bus, a small, older woman trying to get down the steep steps, the sun reflecting off the shiny bus, glinting in Esperanza's eyes. She shaded them with her hand, trying to imagine what Miguel was talking about. For a moment, she saw un fantasma, a ghost of Abuelita walking toward her, with one arm reaching out to her and the other pressing on a wooden cane. Esperanza, said the ghost. She heard Hortensia suck in her breath. Suddenly, Esperanza knew that her eyes were not deceiving her. Her throat tightened and she felt as she couldn't move. Abuelita came closer. She was small, wrinkled, with wisps of white hair falling off of her bun at the back of her head. Her clothes looked muscled from travel, but she had her same white lace handkerchief tucked into the sleeve of her dress, and her eyes brimmed with tears. Esperanza tried to say her name, but couldn't. Her throat was cramping from her emotions. She could only reach out for her grandmother and bury her head in the familiar smell of face powder, garlic, and peppermint. Abuelita! Abuelita! she cried. Aquí estoy. I am here, mi nieta. How have I missed you? Esperanza rocked her back and forth, daring to believe that it was true, looking at her through tears to make sure she was not dreaming, and laughing finally, laughing and smiling and holding her hands, and then Hortensia and Alfonso took their turns. Esperanza looked at Miguel. How? she said. I needed to have something to do while I waited for work, so I went for her. As they pulled into camp, they escorted Abuelita into their cabin, where they found Josefina, Juan, and the babies waiting. Josefina, where's Mama? It was warm, so when she settled her in the shade, she fell asleep. Isabel is sitting with her. Is everything all right? Hortensia introduced Abuelita to Juan and Josefina, whose faces lit up. Esperanza then watched her grandmother look around the tiny room that now held pieces of their new life. Isabel's pictures on the wall, a bowl of peaches on the table, the baby's toys underfoot, the paz roses in a coffee can. Esperanza wondered what Abuelita thought of the sad conditions, but she just smiled and said, Please take me to my daughter. Esperanza took Abuelita's hand and led her toward the trees. She could see Mama reclining in the shade near the wooden table. A quilt was spread on the ground nearby where the babies usually played. Isabel was running back from the vineyard, her hands full of wildflowers and grapevines. She saw Esperanza and ran toward her and Abuelita. Isabel stopped in front of them, her face flushed and smiling. Isabel, this is Abuelita. Isabel's eyes widened and her mouth popped open in surprise. Do you really walk barefoot in the grapes and carry smooth stones in your pockets? Abuelita laughed, reached deep in her pocket of her dress, pulled out a flat, slick stone and gave it to Isabel. She looked at it with amazement then handed Abuelita the wildflowers. I think you and I will be good friends, Isabel. Yes? Isabel nodded and stepped aside so Abuelita could go to her daughter. There was no way to prepare Mama. Esperanza watched Abuelita walk to where Mama slept, resting on a makeshift lounge. She was framed by the vineyard, 
and the grapes ripe and ready to drop. Abuelita stopped a few feet from Mamá and looked at her. A stack of lace carpetas was was at Mamá's side as well as her crochet needles and thread. Abuelita reached out and stroked her hair, gently pulling the loose strands away from Mamá's face and soothingly and smoothing them against her head. Softly, Abuelita said, Ramona. Mamá did not open her eyes, but said as if she was dreaming, Esperanza, is that you? No, Ramona, it is me, Abuelita. Mamá slowly opened her eyes. She stared at Abuelita with no reaction, as if she was not really seeing her at all. Then she lifted her hands and reached out to touch her mother's face, making sure that the vision was true. Abuelita nodded. Yes, it is me. I have come. Abuelita and Mamá uttered no words that anyone could understand. It was their own language of happy exclamation and overwhelming emotions. Esperanza watched them cry as she wondered if her own heart would burst from so much joy. Oh, Esperanza, said Isabel, jumping up and down and clapping. I think my heart is dancing. Esperanza barely choked out the whisper, mine too. And she picked up Isabel and spun her around in her arms. Mamá would not let go of Abuelita. She scooted over and made Abuelita sit next to her and held her in onto her arms as if she might disappear. Suddenly, Esperanza remembered her promise, ran back to the cabin, and returned, carrying something in her arms. Esperanza, said Abuelita, could that possibly be my blanket? Did you finish it? Not yet, she said, unfolding the blanket. Mamá held one end and Esperanza pulled the other end. It reached from the chinaberry tree to the mulberry. It could have covered three beds. They all laughed. The yarn was still connected, waiting for the last row to be finished. They all gathered on the quilt, and at the table, Esperanza sat down and pulled the massive blanket next to her, took the needles, and began crocheting the final stitches. When Mamá could finally speak, she looked at Abuelita and asked the same thing Esperanza had asked. How did you get here? Miguel, said Abuelita, he came for me. Luis and Marco have been impossible. If I went to the market, one of their spies would follow me. I think they thought that you were still in the area and would eventually come back for me. Ten stitches up to the top of the mountain, Esperanza listened to Abuelita tell Mamá about the infuriated Tio Luis had been when he found out they were gone. He became obsessed with finding them and questioned all of their neighbors, including Senor Rodriguez. They had even come to the convent to ask her sisters, but no one told him anything. Add one stitch. A few months after they left, she had permission, premonition that something was wrong with Mamá. The feeling would not let go of her, so she lit candles every day for months and prayed for their safety. Nine stitches down to the bottom of the valley. Then one day, when she had almost given up hope, she found an injured bird in the garden that she did not think would fly again. But the next morning, when she approached it, the bird lifted into the sky. She knew it was a sign that whatever had been wrong was better. Skip one stitch. Then one of the nuns brought her a note that someone had left in the poor address, in the poor box addressed to her. It had been from Miguel. He suspected that Abuelita was being watched, so he delivered his notes after dark, telling her of his plan. Ten stitches to the top of the mountain. Miguel and Senor Rodriguez came in the middle of the night and took her to the train station. It was all very exciting, and Miguel didn't leave her side once during the entire trip. He brought her all the way here. Add one stitch. He said that Ramona and Esperanza needed her. 
He was right, said Mama, her eyes teary again, looking gratefully at Miguel. Mountains and valleys, mountains and valleys. So are many of them, thought Esperanza, and when a strand of her hair fell into her lap, she picked it up and wove it into the blanket, so that all the happiness and emotion she felt at this moment would go with it forever. When Esperanza told Abuelita their story about all that had happened to them, she didn't measure time by the usual seasons. Instead, she told it as a field worker and spans of fruits and vegetables and by what needed to be done on the land. They had arrived in the valley at the end of the grapes, Thompson seedless, red malagas, and the blue ribbon ribiers. Mama breathed in the dust at the end of the grapes, and that's when she got sick. When it began time to prune the grapes and get ready for the potatoes, working potatoes was the heart of winter and the cold that dampened the bones. And during potato eyes, Mama had gone to the hospital. There had been no months with dames, only the time of the trying canes amidst the, the ghosts of grapes in the gray days that never warmed. But afterward came the anticipation of spring in a valley pregnant with needs, graceful asparagus, ripening vineyards, and groaning trees. And then early peaches called, crickets in the fields, started their nightly symphonies, and Mama came home. Abuelita arrived during plums, and now the grapes were delivering another harvest, and Esperanza was turning another year. A few days before her birthday, Esperanza begged Miguel to drive her to the foothills before sunrise. There was something she wanted to do. She woke up in the dark and tiptoed from the cabin. They followed the dirt road and headed east and parked where they could go no further. In the gray light, they could see a small footpath to a plateau. When they got to the top, Esperanza looked out over the valley. The cool, almost morning air filled her senses. Below, she could see a white, the white roofs of the cabins in straight rows, the fields beginning to take form, and over the eastern mountains, a hopeful brightening. She bent over and touched the grass. It was cool but dry. She lay down on her stomach and patted the ground next to her. Miguel, did you know that if you lie on the ground and stay very still, you can feel the earth's heart beating? He looked at her skeptically. She patted the ground again. Then he lay down as she was, facing her. Will this happen soon, Esperanza? Aguantante tantito a la fruta que era en tu mano. Wait a little while and the fruit will fall into your hand. He smiled and nodded. They were still. She watched Miguel watching her. And then she felt it, beginning softly, a gentle thumping repeating itself. Then stronger... She heard it, too. Schwamp, schwamp, schwamp. The earth's heart beat, just like she had felt it the day with Papa. Miguel smiled, and she knew that he felt it, too. The sun peeked over the rim of a distant ridge, bursting the dawn of the waiting fields. She felt its warmth washing over her and turned on her back and faced the sky, staring into the clouds now tinged with pink and orange. As the sun rose, Esperanza began to feel as if she rose with it floating again like the day on the mountain when she first arrived in the valley. She closed her eyes, and this time she did not careen out of control. Instead, she glided above the earth, unafraid. She let herself be lifted into the sky, and she knew that she would not slip away. She knew that she would never lose Papa or El Rancho de las Rosas or Abuelita or Mamá, no matter what happened. It was as if Carmen, the egg woman, had sat on the train. She had her family, a garden full of roses, her faith, and the memories of those who had gone before her. But now she had even more than that. 
She carried it up as if the wings on the as if on the wings of the phoenix. She soared with the anticipation of dreams she never knew she could have, of learning English, of supporting her family, of someday, someday buying a tiny house. Miguel had been right about never giving up, and she had been right too, about rising above those who held them down. She hovered high above the valley, its basin surrounded by the mountains. She swooped over Papa's rose blooms, buoyed the rose hips that were remembered all the beauty they had seen. She waved at Isabel and Abuelita walking barefoot in the vineyards, wearing grapevine wreaths in their hair. She saw Mama sitting on a blanket, a calico leaf of color that covered an acre in zigzag rose. She saw Marta and her mother walking in the almond grove, holding hands, and she flew over a river, a thrusting torrent that cut through the mountains. And there in the middle of the wilderness was a girl in a blue silk dress and a boy with hair slicked down, eating mangoes on a stick, carved to look like exotic flowers, sitting on a grassy blank on the same side of the river. Esperanza reached for Miguel's hand and found it. Even though her mind was soaring to infinite possibilities, his touch held her heart to the earth. Estas son las mananitas que cantalaba el rey David. A las muchachos bonitas se las cantamos aquí. Despierta, mi bien, despierta. Mira que ya amenció. Ya los pajaritos cantan, la luna ya se metió. These are the morning songs which King David used to sing to all the pretty girls. We sing them here to you. Awake, my beloved, awake. See, it is already dawn. The birds are already singing. The moon has already gone. On the morning of her birthday, Esperanza heard the voices coming from outside her window. She could pick out Miguel's, Alfonso's, and Juan's. She sat up in the bed and listened and smiled. Esperanza lifted the curtain. Isabel came over to her, her bed and looked out with her, clutching her doll. They both blew kisses to the men who sang the birthday song. Then Esperanza waved them inside, not to open gifts, but because she could already smell coffee coming from the kitchen. They gathered for breakfast Mama and Abuelita, Hortensia and Alfonso, Josefina and Juan, and the babies and Isabel. Irene and Melina came too with their family, and Miguel. It wasn't exactly like the birthdays of her past, but it would still be a celebration under the mulberry and chinaberry trees with newborn rosebuds from Papa's garden. Although there were no papayas, there was cantaloupe, lime, and coconut salad. The machaca burritos topped with lots of laughter and teasing. At the end of the meal, Josefina brought out a flan de almendras, Esperanza's favorite. They sang the birthday song to her again. Isabel sat next to Abuelita in the wooden table. They held crochet hooks in the skein of yarn. Now watch, Isabel, ten stitches up to the top of the mountain. Abuelita demonstrated, and Isabel carefully copied her movements. A needle rocked awkwardly at the end of her beginning rows. Isabel held up her work to show Esperanza. Mine is all crooked. Esperanza smiled and reached over and gently pulled the yarn, unraveling the uneven stitches. Then she looked into Isabel's trusting eyes and said, Do not be afraid to start over.